seven, Stan Phillips. fans happy monday to you how you doing well california here we come our first stop was los angeles and we did okay i'm very happy with the split especially after losing the first two games and the way we won the last two games it's very very encouraging now let's take into consideration every team has more difficulties on the road than at home and when you're playing the team with the best record in baseball until yet in the National League, until yesterday, the Los Angeles Dodgers. You have a heavy road ahead of you when you have a four-game series. But these are the 2022 Mets, and the 2022 Mets prevailed. Yes, it was baseball like it ought to be as the Mets won the game. Had a little bit of a scare. Uh, had to go extra innings to win it, but we won it nonetheless. Now... It was a well-played game from start to finish, and the Mets exited L.A. with a thrilling 5-4 win over the Dodgers. Now, Trevor Williams got the start for the Mets and was greeted rudely by Trey Turner, who sent the first pitch he saw to the left-field seats for a two-run homer that gave the Dodgers the early lead. It was Turner's third career home run off of Williams in 11 at-bats to that point. Now, Williams settled in nicely after the first, scattering four hits over the next four innings. Two of those hits came in the fifth inning when Eddie Alvarez singled to start the frame. 
Now, after retiring Kevin Lux and Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman hit a two-out single that brought up a two-two, a two-for-two Turner at that point with runners on the corners. But Williams exercised some demons and got Turner to strike out and end the threat. The righty finished the day by going five innings, giving up just two runs and striking out five. In the third inning, Starling Marte took Julio Urias deep to the right center field for a solo blast, and it was a shot. Well hit ball by Starling, and that got the Mets on the board into within one. So you can almost feel the Mets were going to crawl their way back into this game. Now the Mets did make some sparkling defensive plays behind Williams on the afternoon as well. On a well-struck ball by Freeman in the third, Brandon Nimmo tracked it down and made a weeping catch the warning track to haul it in. In the fourth, Eduardo Escobar robbed Justin Turner of a hit down the third baseline with a backhanded grab. It was a beauty. And in foul territory, threw a perfect strike across the diamond to get the out. Now, Adam Adovino and Steven Nagosik picked up right where Williams left off in relief, each pitching a scoreless inning that kept the Mets within one run, which proved pivotal. In the eighth inning, Francisco Endor led off with a ground rule double that had the Mets in business. Following his two-run home run Saturday, Pete Alonso came through yet again with a double that drove in Lindor with the game-tying run. After J.D. Davis had a productive out, moving Alonso to third on a ground out, and Mark Conha was hit by a pitch, Escobar sent one to right field that was plenty far enough to bring in Alonso, and just like that, the Mets had taken the lead 3-2. to two. Now, Tom Snino brought in an insurance run with an RBI single that gave New York some breathing room for the final two innings. With the top of the Dodgers lineup coming up in the eighth inning, Buck Showalter went with closer Edwin Diaz to face Betts, Freeman, and Turner, who got out of the inning one, two, three. Diaz pitched 15 pitches in the eighth inning, forcing Showalter to go with Seth Lugo and try and close things out. And I applaud Buck for that because you don't want to put too much mileage on Edwin Diaz and his arm in any one game. And things got tense when Will Smith led off the inning with a home run that made it 4-3. to three. Lugo got the next two batters out. But with two outs, Chris Taylor hit a first-pitch curveball down the left field line that just missed being a game-tying home run. With a full count, Lugo threw another curveball at Taylor who hit it down the left field line. This one staying in the ballpark for a double. First pitch swinging, Eddie Alvarez lined a single to center field that brought in the game-tying run and the two best teams in the National League were headed to extra innings. In the 10th, Davis got the Mets to lead once again with a double that drove home the free runner Alonzo. That's all they would get, though, after Kana struck out and Davis was doubled off an Escobar liner that he misread. Making just his sixth appearance with the Mets in the 11th of his career, Adonis Medina came on to close it out with the top of the Dodgers lineup due up once again. A tall order was up to task. Despite a catcher's interference call on Nito with two outs that put the winning run on base, Medina struck out Smith to give the Mets a 5-4 win and a split of the series against the Dodgers. Now, besides the impressive Met win yesterday, uh, Tyler McGill, we got some good news on Tyler. He pitched yesterday. He had a hard pitch count of 55, and he threw 53 with double-A Binghamton on Sunday in his first rehab start. McGill is working his way back from bicep tendonitis, and Sunday was a step in the right direction. The big righty tossed 3.2 innings at two-run ball, striking out five in the process. But most importantly, the arm's all good at the moment. McGill says he, he feels ready to go. 
and he admits that it was unfortunate his pitch, pitch count was limited. He said his arm feels great, the body feels good, the VWO's up. And basically, right now, he's feeling good. He did reach 98 miles an hour on the radar gun, which is a good sign, considering that's just about where he topped out this season. Now, velocity isn't truly a, a, the only factor in determining an injury, if you're recovered or non-injury, but Sunday was about working on mechanics and feeling normal. Uh, basically, they had to make sure that McGill was just feeling better and working on the glove side. Move over on the right side of the rubber and really tried to drill the glove side and let my slider play out, McGill said. Overall, just feeling it, getting back into pitching. Feels good. Everything's feeling natural right now. And those are words that are music to my ears. It'll be great having McGill back into the rotation. The way he was pitching, he was Scherzer and DeGrom like before the injury. And I don't see him not being that way when he comes back. He wasn't sure when his next start would be. But it didn't make it seem like he would have one more rehab outing. Uh, adding, he has no pain. His ERA is at an inflated 4.41 for the Mets right now. But you have to remember, in his last outing before landing on the IL, he allowed eight earned runs in 1.1 innings. And that was probably due to the fact that he was hurt in that outing. And the first six games, the opening day starter owned a 2.43 ERA. So we'll hope to see that 2.43 ERA McGill back sooner rather than later. And that is going to be a welcome addition. Now, how did J.D. Davis feel about the big game yesterday? Well, here's Steve Gelb's post-game interview with J.D. Davis. J.D., how would you describe this game? How would you describe this series? Oh, man. It's a little bit of an adrenaline rush out here. Um, but I don't even know what to tell you. It's two of the best teams in the NL going back and forth. Um, it's just huge, man. I, I tell one of the guys down there, it's just a chess match. You know, we were down two to one, but it just felt like we were, you know, it was the game was even. And, in, I mean, it was decisive between two pitches. Um, Trey Turner's home run and Marte's, you know, the changeup that he went oppo is just – it was just a chess match back and forth, and, you know, we're fortunate enough to come across this one and just take the split here. So we're pretty pretty fortunate and pretty happy, and uh, it's going to be a happy bus ride to, down to San Diego. You get the game-winning RBI. You're really starting to pick it up. At least the balls are starting to fall for you. Do you feel any different at the plate, or have you felt pretty good the whole season, and now you just feel like you're not hitting into bad luck? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of both. Um, the weather's starting to heat up, so uh, balls are traveling a little bit better. Um, and then just taking professional at-bats. You know, there are some times where frustration got into it where I throw away at-bats. My second at-bat today, I try to do too much, but um, the third, fourth, and fifth, you know, I just tried to, you know, make collective team at-bats. Uh, just missed that slider, but over the course of the, the year, you know, just standing taller and, you know, uh, staying on my backside a little bit more, not so much on my toes at the plate, and that's, that's given me the ability to rotate and be on my backside a little bit more and uh, just stay through balls. That's the, big, the biggest thing. J.D., you mentioned professional at-bats. In that eighth inning, you guys took a lot of professional at-bats as a group, and we saw you clapping as you, you run down to first base after hitting yeah. the ball to the opposite side and moving Pete over. Just overall, collectively, how much does that inning kind of show what this team is about? I mean, just like what Uncle Stevie said, man, it, this team's got some grit. Um, and, you know, just that, what I said earlier, you know, it's a chess match. So, you know, like 
at the sinker baller guy throwing 101 miles an hour. I'm not trying to pull that guy. So I'm trying to stay inside it, try to shoot the other way, you know, pass the baton. The same thing we've always been saying, uh, you know, pass the baton to every guy in the lineup. Don't try to be the guy that tries to, you know, throw the haymaker every single time, uh, you know. You know, a jab, 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 and then a haymaker's okay. So, um, you know, just, again, it was just a collective win today all around. I mean, Medina, man, Medina, I was gonna, Medina coming in, man. I was going to ask mean, about Medina. What, what I mean, Turner what kind of a spot? Freeman to face Will Smith, man. Oh, man. Uh, I would not want to be on the mound if I was him. But well, I'm What does that show you, though, about a, a rookie to come in that spot in this series and, and do what he did. Dude, I mean, it's a total confidence builder for him. I mean, just to come in here to a tough environment or a rubber game right here um, and to face, you know, you know, Will, you know, he's only hitting 220, but he hit a home run. But, I mean, I mean, he could be the best hitter in NL, but those two guys right there, Trey Turner and Freeman, I mean, they, their stats and their, you know, career speak for themselves. So Medina coming up huge in that last inning to just able to throw strikes and, you know, do what he does best, man. I, I mean, we're proud, man. We're happy. We're happy. We're happy to get this split and just to be down 0-2 and rattle off two wins. We're great. There you have it. J.D. Davis summing up my feelings and probably your feelings. The Mets, again, battle, battle, battle. It's not about the one big swing. It's about constantly battling and winning. And yes, Medina, funky Cole Medina, one of the biggest saves of the year for the Mets. And he came through big time. Be nice if he becomes a prominent part of the uh, relief core, and that would really help the Metsies out. Now, the one thing about this Dodgers series, it proves that the Mets belong. Yes, I guess the Dodgers are the measuring stick uh, by which all national teams will see how they compare. And the Mets are doing very, very well in that regard. Uh, they sized up the Dodgers. They followed them for three hours and 59 minutes. Jabbing, clutching, countering. It was like a boxing, boxing 15 rounds in the old days, like Ollie and Frazier. They both made stirring comebacks. They both blown leads. As the clock struck 5-10 on the West Coast, which was 8-10 in the East, it was a long game if you guys were watching. A rookie Met pitcher named Adonis Medina reached back for that extra yard on his fastball. And he found it. The ball sped in on Dodger catcher Will Smith and dived away from his bat. Yes, the tying and winning runs were on base in the bottom of the 10th. Medina, with all of 10 major league appearances to his name, was Buck Showalter's last hope and his last arm, and he'd been asked to protect a skinny 5-4 lead in the bottom of the 10th. And as the ball dived away from Smith's bat, as swung Smith flung fruitlessly, as the Mets begun to charge out of the visiting team dugout at Dodger Stadium, it was suddenly and remarkably and abundantly apparent he had done that. He'd saved the game. And he did it with a minimum of nervous energy. Buck even said, last man standing, I guess, and Medina delivered. Medina showed that he had confidence himself. And like I said, J.D. Davis and Andrew said, Donis Medina, man, Adonis Medina. So this great Chavez, Chavez Ravine showdown would end in a draw. The Mets dropping the first two games to the Dodgers, but I take it as a win when you come back after losing two and win the last two. And as they overcame a couple of multiple run deficits Saturday and Sunday to earn a four-game split. The race baseball had badly wanted to know, were the Mets as good as their record, or were they the product of a user-friendly early season schedule? Well, you could say the Mets had an early season schedule, but I always say major league teams are major league teams, 
and the Mets did what they had to do with that schedule. Are they up there with Dodgers? I think after this weekend, we can say yes. Uh, as they prepare to make the second leg of this three-city, 11-day, 10-game road trip. And yes, this will be the toughest road trip of the year. We have a team, I think, almost as good as the Dodgers in San Diego coming up. And then the Angels. My only fear with the Angels is they lost so many games already in a row. And Mike Trout's having the worst slump of his career. I just hope they don't get hot this weekend. But yes, the Mets delivered a resounding yes, yes, yes. They could play with the big boys. And you could tell that that's going to be one happy ride for the team down to San Diego in the bus. Now, when the Mets, what the Mets learn is that, that when they play the game as mostly played across the season's first 56 games, it really doesn't matter what logo is on the other team's cap. The Mets overcame a 4-1 deficit Saturday and then a 2-0 deficit on Sunday. And it was 2-1 Dodgers in the eighth by having an open casting call for contributors. Here came Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso crashing through the eighth inning door to tie the game Sunday. Here came Davis taking evident delight in moving Alonzo to third with a productive out and later driving in the game-winning run the 10th. Here was Eduardo Escobar, whose season has been such a scuffle, driving in the go-ahead run with a stubbornly earned sack fly, and Thomas Nito adding an insurance RBI. Now, Shell Walter had opted to use Edwin Diaz in eighth with the Dodgers due to send up Mookie Wilson, Freddie Freeman, and Trey Turner. And each one of those is an MVP player. And it looked like a brilliant stroke. Then Seth Lugo gave up a homer to Smith in a two-out run scoring single. And seemed like the game might take a place alongside that 13-12 loss to Giants. Seems like so long ago, but it was only a week ago. What a ride it's been, all these thrilling games. And uh, instead, the Mets barely needed, needed the bus to make the two-hour trip up the Gaslight District. Yes, they were flying after that game last day. It was like a playoff atmosphere all, all weekend, and everyone knows how good the Dodgers are. But again, the Mets proved that they are a good team as well. Now, you don't want to jump to any conclusions. It's just the beginning of June. Uh, but so much noise had been made about this road trip that this may be the downfall of the Mets and a typical June swoon for the Mets. Well, so far it hasn't. You go two for four in L.A., be proud. Now... The Angels started tanking like genuine contenders for the Mets. So we don't want the Mets to be like the Angels who played this weekend. Uh, and I don't think they will. They're not wired like that. Uh, they keep embracing the competition if you just watch the Mets. So many of these games come with a signature moment, resilience, and doing little things. Even Steve Cohen may not need a plane to come home to New York after that weekend. He was out in L.A. for the series. As much when he showed up at Dodger Stadium early in the week, that wasn't lost on his employees. As the interview I played, J.D. Davis says, it's like Uncle Stevie said, this team's got grit. Yes, it does, and it is going to be one hell of a fun ride. That's all I got to say. Now, it's too bad Aaron Whoop isn't going to be along for the ride. I miss Aaron Whoop. People forget that Aaron Loop like Noah Syndergaard is with the Angels, and they were in town this weekend. Uh, all the hype was about Noah Syndergaard, but I think we'll, we'll miss Loop just as much as we would Syndergaard. Uh, but Loop did say the Mets did offer him a contract last winter. Now, Loop was the best reliever in 2021. He posted a 0.95 ERA and struck out 57 batters in 56 and two-third innings. 
November, he signed a $17 million deal with the Angels, which came with a club option for 2024 for $7.5 million and a $2 million payout. Whoop described his decision as a combination of the Angels' aggressive pursuit and the Mets' traditional phase. Transitional phase, I should say. In November, they were deeply engaged in a lengthy search for their next general manager. And Whoop even acknowledged that the Mets had a lot going on front office-wise, and they had to get that figure out. And he signed pretty early. Whoop went on to say that he enjoyed his uh, stay in New York and his Mets teammates, and he kept the Met possibility of returning to the Metropolitans as long as he could. Uh, the Angels were coming after him. They were like, hey, we want you. Basically, giving Whoop everything he asked for. And Whoop knew the Mets were interested. They wanted to be in on negotiations, but they kind of stalled and stalled to try to get him and get him and get him in. Uh, when they finally did, they weren't going to match. And Whoop said he just couldn't pass up the money. The Mets weren't that far off. Uh, I think he, Whoop said the Mets were two years, $12 million. Uh, but he did get a better deal with the Angels. Now, it hasn't been all better roses for Whoop. He has a 4.82. Uh, and his ERA isn't that bad because his expected ERA is uh, 3.53 in 18 and two-thirds innings with the Angels this year. But what a hell of a pitcher he was for the Mets last year. And it's always comforting to have Aaron Whoop on your side. And I wish him nothing but the best with the Angels. He was a good guy. And still is. Just now he's an angel. Okay, now it's time to talk about birthdays, transactions, and unfortunately deaths on this day in Met history. On this date in 1931, former Met Carl Willie was born. This day in 1944, Met favorite and definitely one of my favorites and biggest baseball influences growing up, Bud Harrelson, born this day in 1944. This day in 1975, David Lamb was born. This day in 1979, Jesus Feliciano was born. And on this date in 1993, Joey Lucchese was born. And unfortunately on this date, uh, Eddie Stanky passed away in 1999. Now, Eddie was a great spunky ball player. He never did play with the Mets, but he was director of player development for the Mets in 1965. And on this date, Dave Marshall passed away in 2019. Uh... He played the outfield, patrolled the outfield floors for three years, from 70 to 72. And uh, I remember getting his autograph at a sporting goods store with Jerry Kuzman. He signed my baseball guide I, that year. And I can't remember, someone from WHN who was one of the hosts was there too. And I can't remember who it was. I'd have to look at the autograph again. But I got that famous trifecta autograph that day. Enough about me. But a lot of transactions made on this date, as this date has traditionally been a big day for signing free agents that were drafted. So let's run down the whole litany, shall we? Uh, the first thing we want to do is say that the Mets sold Galen Sisko to the Boston Red Sox on this date in 1966. And here's a biggie in 1967. The Mets signed John Matlack in the first round, fourth pick overall on this date in 67. The Mets selected Rod Gaspar in the second round of the draft in 67. And they selected Dave Schneck in the 38th round of the draft in 67. And Gary Gentry. He was in the third round of the draft. And so they got some good ball players there. Matlack and Gentry in 67 they signed as free agent in the free agent draft. So good, 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 good. 
draft in 67 for the Mets. In this date in 72, the Mets signed Brock Pemberton in the sixth round draft pick. Uh, Craig Swan, who was a th in the third round of draft in 72. And turned out to be a great pitcher for the Mets. Unfortunately, he pitched on some bad Met teams. This date in 78, uh, four Mets were selected in the free agent draft who made the ball club. Hubie Brooks, who was in the first round, third round pick overall. Highly sought after free agent. He had a pretty damn good career as a major leaguer. Mike Fitzgerald was selected in the sixth round. Uh, Rick Anderson, the 24th round. And Brian Giles in the second round of the free agent draft, all in 1978. In 1983, some really highly regarded prospects who panned out pretty well for the Mets were drafted and signed. Uh, let's run them down. Dave Magadan, a hitting machine, uh, was touted to be the next Keith Hernandez, but had a pretty good career nonetheless as a good hitter, and he was drafted in the second round. David West in the fourth round. David, unfortunately, just passed away recently. Stan Jefferson, uh, first round in 83, 20th pick overall. Had a cup of tea with the Mets, but never panned out to be the ball player we had hoped. Uh, Calvin Chiraldi, for Chiraldi was the first round pick, 27th pick overall. And he helped us out in 86, didn't he? Wink, wink in the World Series. And how about Jeff Innes in the 13th round, the free agent draft. And in 2004, the Mets signed James Baldwin as a free agent. And then in 2006, those draft picks keep on coming. One of them was a dandy for us. Uh, Josh Stinson in the 37th round was signed. Uh, Toby Stoner in the 16th round. Joe Smith in the third round. And another fan favorite, Daniel Murphy in the 13th round. Yes, a hitting machine like Daniel Murphy wasn't selected till the 13th round. This day in 2007, the Mets signed free agent, Jordani Valdespin. Yes, he was the man on this date as the Mets signed him. Then on this date in 2011, the Mets selected one of my favorite current Mets, Brandon Nimmo in the first round with the 13th pick overall. And on this date in 2013, the Mets selected Dominic Smith, the 11th pick overall. So a lot of Mets players were picked. Uh, and uh, good stuff, good stuff. This time of year, reminiscing about all the Mets draft picks. Now, if I may, let's talk about the greatest Mets Facebook group there is, New York Mets Baseball Way of Facebook. We had a lot of great members join this week. And if you're not a member, please check us out. We're New York Mets Baseball Way of Life on Facebook. You'll be glad you did. And we, as always, we encourage everybody, everybody to subscribe to this podcast. You'll be alerted every time one is up. We try to do one on a daily basis, so check us out. Now let's talk about what's going on in the greatest baseball group there is, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. As always, we have Jeopardy and Trivia every day in the group. And we like to tell you what the questions were. Uh, so you can play along if you're not on the Facebook group and want to find out what the answers are. Uh, we give them to you here. That's who we are. That's what we do. So yesterday's final Jeopardy was two clues, as always, traded by the California Angels to the Mets in exchange for Ike Hampton on March 22, 1975. And he, along with former Brewer teammates Skip Lockwood and Bob Apodaca, gave the Mets one of the more formidable bullpens in the division. So think about who that is. 
and we'll give you the answer later on in the podcast. We always give it to you at the very end. And now the trivia question. Who's ready for the trivia question? Ah, good to see. Good to see. I always love it when you guys are eager and want to answer the trivia question. Trivia question was, who gave up the first run in mid-history? Lock in your answer, and we'll be back at the end of the podcast to let you know how you did on that one, too. Now, what else is going on in the group? Every day we have have great contributors. One is moderator Mike Freed, who gives great summaries and analysis of everything that's going on in Metland on that current day and that current game. And he gave us a fine, fine, fine synopsis of yesterday's game, so you'll want to check that out. We also asked the question, when I say Bud Harrelson, the birthday boy, what's on your mind when I mention Bud Harrelson? We have a new member, Maxwell Cates, Maxwell Cates, I should say, who is a baseball expert. He's in my other group, Baseball Way of Life, if you want to check that group out. And he posted three great articles that he wrote for SABR, and he has the links uh, I'm a member of uh, Great Gray. If you're a diehard fan, you got to join Sabre. Uh, he posted the links of three great articles that he wrote about Rod Gaspar, uh, Tom Seaver, and Ron Taylor. Really have to check those out. Really, really good stuff. And I highly recommend you check out Sabre and Maxwell Cates. He's written a few books. Check him out. He make contributions to other books. And he just joined the group, and we're so glad to have him aboard. Uh, We also mentioned about the uh, Mets selecting, talking about uh, a great class uh, when the Mets selected Paul Wilson in 1994. Now, he he became a big part of highly touted threesome, Bill Pulsifer and Jason Angelinghausen. We thought they were going to run the world with them. We also remember the day that Dallas Strawberry was selected by the Mets in the 1980 draft. Good, good stuff. So again, check out the group, and you'll be glad you did. Really, I can't say enough good things about the group. Now, today is Bud Harrelson's birthday, but we have so much to touch upon with Bud that we're going to do a feature on Bud in the offseason, so you'll want to listen to that when it comes up during the offseason. That's basically what we'll be doing during the offseason, profiling great Mets, great players in Met history. So there's just too much time to dedicate to Bud Harrelson today, and uh, we will when we have a chance during the offseason. How about this? After we win the World's Championship, let's talk about Bud. Are you aboard? Good. Now, let's get to the final Jeopardy. Give you the answer on that one. Again, the two clues were traded by the California Angels to the New York Mets in exchange for Ike Hampton on March 22, 1975. And he, along with former Brewers teammate Skip Lockwood and Bob Apodaca, gave the Mets one of the more formidable bullpens in the division. Who is it? Why, it's none other than Ken Sanders. And congratulations to our good buddy Kareem Haywood on being the first to get that one right. Now, the trivia question was, who gave up the first run in Met history? And he was a damn good pitcher. Just couldn't win ball games with those bad Met teams. He ended up being a good major league manager, too. Roger Craig is the correct answer to that trivia question. And John Tierney is the one who provided the answer for us. So congrats to John. John really knows his stuff. Hats off to John. 
Well, that's going to wrap it up for another great podcast. Say again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening. We try to do one every day, so check us out tomorrow. We'll have a recap of the Padres game for you. And again, thank you for your support. Tell everyone about the group. Tell everyone about the podcast. The more the merrier. Enjoy today. Beautiful weather-wise in the New York area. And it looks like it's going to be a great week. Uh, too bad we're in California. This is beautiful California weather we're experiencing here. But get some sleep. Take a nap. Watch the Mets and Padres tonight. The first of a big series. Three-game series. Is it three games? I'm not even sure. Uh, let me check for you. Before I jump to any conclusions, let me check. As Marv Albert would say, yes, a three-game schedule Three games set, I should say, with the Padres. First game at 9.40. All the games are going to be Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 9.40. And then this weekend, <clears throat> three more night games. <clears throat> and beg your pardon, as Bob Murphy would say. Uh, first one is at 9.38, and that's an Apple Plus TV exclusive. So get your Apple TV if you want to watch that Met game. Uh, just a hint, if, as soon as that game is over, if you have MLB, uh, .tv, they upload that one right after the game on MLB.tv in case you don't have access to Apple+. Plus. Then Saturday, for you all you out-of-towners, it's on the MLB Network also, and that's on SNY at 10.07. And then Sunday, with the primetime game on ESPN, 7.08, Mike Trout and company going against the Mets. Should be a fun one. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. We'll talk again tomorrow. Enjoy the day. Let's go Mets and check in tomorrow. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your day. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Bring your kiddies. Bring your wife. Step right up and greet the Mets.